This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. Hi, I'm Rakesh Kamal, your host for this episode of the Suno India Show. In May, a wave of violence engulfed Manipur. leading to the displacement of thousands and severely disrupting the education of countless young individuals in the region to delve into the critical issue i spoke with dennis lalianzol amar indigenous development professional distinguished climate leader and a survivor of conflict in our discussion he shared his own experiences shedding light on the challenges faced by the youth whose hopes and dreams are now uncertain and hanging in the balance So I am Dennis Lalinzol. Uh, I am an indigenous youth uh, hailing from Manipur. Uh, I am also a youth engagement and empowerment fellow in 2022 under the United Nations Office of Counterterrorism in the United Nations, and I am also a development professional, particularly working in emergency response. So um, I I am um, I am a young person. Uh, actually who has been in manipur for the, almost the past 3 years working uh, more particularly with the people uh, also with children and young people and obviously i'm based in in lamka uh, that is uh, churuchampur in churuchampur district so but because of the violence um, i am here uh, i i fled the violence i flee the violence i i was I, uh, everything was destroyed so um that's why i need to leave the state at the moment yeah so what did you do before this uh, before the 3 years of work that you were doing in churachandrapur what was the kind of work that you were doing here uh, and what did you do earlier what was your education and if you can give us a little more details so before 3 years ago i was actually in a space where i was very active in the in the climate fronts where we engage uh, young people uh, in in climate uh, in climate policies uh, in climate engagement so i was formerly with an organization called television for the environment which is a charity based in london uh, which also has its presence in south uh, south asia so i would i belong to the south asia office where we use uh, um moving pictures and moving images as a tool for bringing out the sustainable development goals particularly with uh sustainable development goals number 13 number 14 number 15 and more particularly that is related to the larger climate debate that is happening so i've also been quite active uh, in the major group for children and youth where i was particularly with the disaster risk reduction where uh we as young people look at where are young people and children in terms of uh climate policies and disaster um in 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 the stakeholders like in the UN in multi stakeholder countries so so that was what i was doing but the covid pushed me to be in manipur and then i started working uh more particularly with young people through a platform which me and few of my friends established called the highland impact foundation uh where we work on livelihoods health and uh education so i've been also founding the bridge school project which is uh, particularly working with children in disaster and in conflict regions mostly at the peripheral places in india 
for now. So that was what I was doing the past three years and before three years, I, I, before I moved back to Manipur, yeah. How did this uh, impact you, the, the violence that started in May? Uh, what happened and you know, how are you dealing with it? Yeah, so when the violence happened, uh, I was actually in uh, Infal. So the, the violence broke out between the uh, bordering district of Bishnupur and Churachanpur. And then the, that was on the 3rd of May. But I never in my wildest dream imagined that the violence will just spread over at several districts like Imphal, in Kangpokpi, in Tengnopal. So what really happened was on the 4th of May, uh, I was just in Imphal, um, just sitting, just looking at the news. And then around 3, 3.40 p.m., uh, just a mob took over the house where I live in Imphal with my friend. And then we sought refuge. And then uh, we were hiding in the barracks of the IPS officer um, just behind the, uh, the place where we lived. And then after two hours of hiding in the barracks, then I was safely evacuated uh, to the relief camp at the first Manipur Rifles Relief Camp. Uh, and I stayed in the relief camp for four days. And after four days, that's how I flee Manipur because there was no choice for me. I could not return back until then uh, to to my home district, that is Churuchanpur. And then the, that pushed me to go out of uh, Manipur because it was not safe anymore. And the first flight, uh, whatever I could scramble, uh, I, I took the flight. I, I request for, um, for the armies to... Uh, sent us to the to the airport and that's how I flee and what really affected me was um, I've seen the dreams for me it's like the way how it affects me is that we always have a very hopeful Manipur we always hope that the young people after so much of uh, conflict that we have experienced the low intensity conflict that's what the uh, in the World Bank language uh, which, which, uh, you know, the imposition of the AFSPA, the military, uh, militancy that happens, those movement backs when we were growing up. And the Manipur that we see in the past five years was a Manipur that was a hopeful one where we think that our dreams can be nurtured. And that's why we returned. But after the violence that broke out in the 3rd of May and the way how it flared up, uh, really shatter our dreams, the hope that we have as young people to return back to the state and to do not just something for the state, but the young people like me, where we can build up uh, the economy, the human capital, and obviously the human security also. But now all those dreams that we have is just down the drain. Whatever we do for the past three years, building up even myself and the small initiatives that we've done is just down the drain. And then right now, for me particularly, I am so directionless. Uh, I feel so... Um, how, how how would I say I, I I feel so uh where should I first where should I begin again that is the question that keeps on uh you know come that comes to my mind but obviously the stress the fear is there that that is something which every one of us experiences uh, in the violence but for me particularly it's like where would I begin again where will I start again and how would I uh, actually um, uh, built together these aspirations of young people once again. So I think I'm in that uh, crossroad, uh, where to start, where to begin, and where should we bang our hopes again. So that is where I am and how it really affected me. You're in Delhi right now, right? Yes, yes, I'm in Delhi. So what are you doing in Delhi uh, currently? Uh, 
Uh, so I actually, uh, I'm also a development professional on a full-time that works in emergency response. So for now, I'm working from a distance. I've always been based in Manipur for that. But for now, uh, I because I work in a humanitarian organization, so uh, that makes me uh, stay in Delhi and I'm doing my work from a distance for now. And through the, through the organizations that I'm att- attached to, uh, we are responding to Manipur crisis uh, uh, in on the humanitarian angle, where we actually support uh, through emergency response in terms of dry ration, in terms of uh, wash facilities. Uh, so that is what I'm doing at the moment, uh, so that I actually also could survive here. Yeah, no, I also saw your posts on Instagram about, you wrote letters to the ministers, right? Uh, about how education is being disrupted. Uh, you work a lot with young students, right? And uh, how has it impacted? What is the effect of uh, you know violence on their education currently? So, Rakesh, like obviously, uh, as someone who has been equally impacted by education, even my family, my own younger brother. I've always at the core things really about students, uh, young people whose education has been impacted. So uh, from my own experience, we need to uh, relocate my younger brother in Aizol in Mizoram, uh, where the government was more open in terms of taking in students uh, in city government colleges. So that was how we relocate even my own younger brother. So how has young people, especially students being impacted is uh, in, in the flare up of the violence is more particularly towards uh, their education. Their education is at hold at the moment uh, because this violence happened in the mid-year of their uh, education scenes. So what really happened is that, first of all, the impact, the immediate impact of a student is that they cannot go to school, colleges, and the normal uh, educational routine that they are engaged in. But secondly, what really impacted them is that they lost all their files, their certificates, uh, whatever documents that they have, even their Aadhaar cards for many of the people because their houses were being ravaged down, uh, not just by the uh, by the mob, but not just ravaged down, but it's being burned. So... So many people came and tell tell me and few of my friends that uh, they don't have any documentation uh, or documents, even they, if they are to seek admission in other states and other places. So what really impacted at the moment is that they don't have uh, their documents at, at place. If they have their document at place, also it is somewhere which they are not able to go back and take it. And some of them, uh, their parents are still in Manipur, but they have sent their children in the hope that they can to continue education. So we have lots of seen lots of unaccompanied minors uh, going in cities like uh, Guwahati, Shillong, uh, Mizor- uh, in Aizol in Mizoram, uh, in Bangalore, uh, in Hyderabad, uh, in Pune, in Mumbai, in Delhi, in Kolkata. So and even at the metropolitan cities. And we also have uh, students who are in the mid-year where exams are just uh, uh, next door away, like just a month uh, ahead of them. And then all those chaos, those preparations are just down down in the drain. And so they are at a dilemma. Uh, and that they are uh, with that dilemma, they are also in a hope that they can go to a new school or a new uh, college so that they can continue their education. But now the real challenge is that how would they actually... Uh, do this process. So there has been uh, um, 
a stoppage at the uh, at the process. But uh, with few of my friends, we come together and we started this mission called Mission Suikom. Suikom is a zo uh, indigenous word that means stitching together or coming together. So with the belief that we can stitch together lives, rebuild lives again, uh, we are trying to help uh, these young people, uh, especially students who are uh, facing problem. And that's where it came through our uh, at the crossroad where we are, you know, we ha- we don't have a choice but to write to the ministers. We have uh, we want to write to the uh, Ministry of Education where uh, these are the immediate things that actually if the government can take it up. And most uh, and more more interestingly is that Manipur uh, no Mizoram government came out with an order saying that our children, uh, mostly students, should be admitted in. Uh, government-aided schools or schools uh, without even their documents. Uh, that, that is what the Mizoram government came out strongly. So there has been some positive response from the Mizoram government. And even in Delhi, if you have seen one of our friend Kim Vaipei, who is part of this mission, uh, has been uh, uh, starting this whole process and which we are trying to induct into our whole process in a helpline for us also uh, in Mission Suikom. Uh, where already 200 plus students were registered in Delhi to seek admission in Delhi government schools. And out of these 200 odd children who already registered, at least because of the helpfulness of the Delhi government and their immediate response, already 40 of them have actually been admitted in government schools uh, and then still awaiting. Some others are still awaiting. So even uh, the ed- education minister for Delhi government, Atishi Marlina, was saying that uh, Delhi government will look into it and this is part of the process. So that, that is what we have been doing. That is what in the progress and in the pipeline. And we con- we are planning to continue doing this uh, in, in terms of how uh, children, are, especially students, are facing the problem in the ongoing crisis in Manipur. Yeah, I mean, correct me uh, if I am wrong, but uh, many of the uh, children from tribal communities uh, are first-generation learners also, right? From what I understand is that for first-generation learners, it is really a big challenge uh, to you know let family uh, send them to different cities like you were mentioning. Uh, do you see that happening on ground about how are uh, first-generation learners able to cope and, uh, you know, uh, get away from the violence and get back to education. So Rakesh, yeah, like you mentioned, first, uh, many of the uh, tribal communities are definitely first-generation learners. And there has been a very, this is a huge blow and impact for them. So what really is happening on the ground at the moment is that many of the first-generation learners who could not go outside the state are still looking at uh uh, are still looking at ways how they could go to uh, and still get their education. So back at home, like uh, in my own district itself, uh, there has been talks with the private schools, with the government schools, and, and trying to see how this can work out. But more particularly, I think even the first-generation learners, uh, they are trying their level best if they can go at least to the nearby state like Mizoram, which is more accommodative, uh, to go and learn and continue. Some are repeating their classes some are seeking if they can actually move into uh, uh, move into the next class. So that is what is happening. But obviously, the tribal community being most marginalized, uh, economic more economically, uh, it has been a challenge in terms of uh, in terms of the economic 
uh, prospects because it requires money, it requires uh, investment. So many of the people uh, are not able to invest because even going to a college in Infal uh, or go- going to a college in, in other district uh, from a, a very peripheral village was an opportunity that was the only uh, way that they have. And so uh, currently, uh, first-generation learners are stuck are stuck especially in Manipur are still at a juncture where their education is still uh, questionable uh, where there is no direction at the moment obviously we have seen Manipur education department giving directions that schools should be open uh, even the DM college just the uh, day before yesterday they say that uh, the exams uh, that is a college in Infal uh, which is under the government so they were saying that in July they would continue with their uh, exams. So what when tribal communities, the Kukizo tribal communities, when they are not safe in Infal, how can they even go to Infal to give exams to continue their education when they are in relief camps? So there has been no clear direction in terms of people who are displaced, even internally displaced, staying in Manipur for their educational prospects. Uh, so there is no clear direction. Uh, though government is saying schools will reopen, what is the expedited process has not been clear. Uh, there is no protection mechanism. There is no assurances. So um, it has been not just a huge blow, but uh, I, I am really afraid to use even these words. But I think first generation learners are also going to be the lost generation for some time because losing a year is going to be losing a lot of potentials. One year can bring a lot of things. So losing one year can mean also losing a lot of potentials and opportunities. So uh, we are afraid that uh, uh, they would become, you know, the lost generations uh, because of this conflict. So I hope that uh, this kind of push, this kind of initiative that we are doing would actually bring and shed light upon the uh, displaced students, not just in the cities in India, but even uh, in Manipur itself. And that is why we seek the intervention of the Ministry of Education and we have been knocking the doors to see what could be the expedited measures, what could be the mechanisms that can be in place. So that is what is really happening on the ground. And, you know, uh, you yourself are a climate leader uh, and you have been quite involved in climate education as well. Um, you know, the world is right now at a point where uh, even in climate change negotiations, you see the role of uh, indigenous tribal youth increasing, right? And with violence like this, when, uh, let's say, SDG 16, peace is disturbed, uh, how do you even ensure that climate action or representation happens on climate change? Uh, What are your views on this? Uh, specifically because you are a climate change act, you know, uh, educator yourself. Yeah, um, Rakesh, one one very important, that's a very interesting point to elaborate on. Uh, when I see in not just climate negotiations, but the whole climate policy process and involvement, uh, look at young people in the peripheral and vulnerable young people, that's where I would come. Because I think uh, many of the indigenous young people uh, voices are not accounted in negotiations because uh, there has been, I, that's what I call the malaise of the uh, system, like uh, big systems like the United Nations, uh, multilateral systems, uh, where especially indigenous uh, youth voices or uh, um, 
voices which really matters are not first of all let's not talk about even the voices coming out or not uh it there has been a blanket there has been tokenism if there is there also so it's just you have one representation doesn't mean that person represents the whole uh, uh indigenous voices especially young indigenous voices so so there is that, that that's where the problem lies so in terms of climate action when we are going to talk about dealing with this whole issue and taking it to the front uh, to the front lines i think what is really needed is that uh, uh systems like united nations and global community more particularly uh needs to integrate uh especially the knowledges and the participatory processes that are existing on the ground that needs to be considered because uh while we are talking climate change we also need to talk about climate security and for me the recent uh violence in manipur has also an attachment to climate security it's because of the climate insecurity because it talks about land and when an indigenous person like me uh is being threatened where my land is going to be taken away i i would definitely be very disturbed and because of that that could actually lead in uh violence that could actually lead in extremism that could lead in radicalization also so it's really important that uh we need to really see what are young people's contribution in prevention of conflict in prevention of violence towards the climate angle so i think uh countries and and united nations systems or even big institutions like the world bank the international monetary fund needs to really see how young people should be actually engaged in this larger processes to mitigate conflicts uh, in the largest uh, landscape of climate change and also i'm seeing how young people are not having access to funding or resources uh, particularly in climate security building uh where there has been just uh sidelines uh they are being sidelined there the whatever projects or whatever initiative they do which can actually lead them to those processes are still not taken seriously and i also really want uh where we looked at uh, a whole of society approach where education and mentorship program for young people towards climate has been largely absent especially in india i remember when i was studying in my bachelor uh, there is this book called evs the environmental science that is the basics of environment but but we have not really have a very descriptive studies also nor uh, engagement of young people in this uh, in this way where uh, particularly as an indigenous person uh, look at india we have lots of indigenous uh, young people so there has not been a con- conversation or education or mentorship program around that where young people are engaged through an informal and participatory process so i think there has been uh, gaps and challenges to this there is an inter- there needs to be an intergenerational dialogue but at the same time there needs to be efforts not just efforts of the government but there needs to be efforts from both the ends and to do that i think what we really need is uh uh banking not just banking and telling that the young people are what is uh who are important but what is really important is that we need to look at the robust bottom up uh, participation mechanisms at the community level to elevate the voices of especially vulnerable youths and indigenous young people in uh in this processes on climate security uh, uh and mitigation of conflicts that can actually emanate from climate change and definitely our lives has all been uh uh perturbed and disturbed by 
climate change at every angle. Look at the world across. It's not just about your change in weather. It's about our change in food habits, our change in how violence can actually start it, not just from, it's from a small thing like land, uh, which could be small, uh, but it could be actually, it could uh, result in a huge violence like Manipur could be one example to which I can cite it here because one of the key contention is also land. Uh, when you talk about the scheduled tribe demand, uh, it's also the, the conversation was on land, uh, conservation of land. Uh, and also when you look at Article 371 Part C, which the Manipur Hill areas are there, it is all on preservation of culture and land. And obviously all this has been impacted by climate change because urbanization, uh, human population density has increased and we need to increase our spaces, yes, and the need for resources. So yes, or at the end, we all fight for resources and our conflict is also resource. Look at Manipur. It is a very prime and uh, classic example of how resource fight can actually lead to violence. So that is what I would say in terms of uh, interlinking indigenous young people with climate change and the whole prevailing conflict situation in Manipur. Yeah, well, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, anything else that you would like to add to the discussion? Yes, there is conflict in Manipur. But we should not forget in, in, in this conflict, there are people whose lives are profoundly impacted. And people who are profoundly impacted for me is not just the larger community of not just the cookies or the Meite. It is largely the young people whose future uh, we are dependent upon. Uh, that is what is really going to build not just the state or the nation, but that's going to build the whole community. Uh, so what is really important is that we should not forget the plights of these young people. And here I would say, I am since I'm someone who is a very vocal and an advocate for education of uh, uh, young people, uh, I'm really concerned about how education will take up shape in Manipur and people who are internally displaced. Because if this, like, like we mentioned earlier, like the first generation learners or first generation who are educated are not going to get uh, the space that they re need. Uh, we are going to miss out a generation, a generational voice, and not just a generational voice, but a generation of solutions. That's what I would say. And that's why I would like to really uh, ask the government to really take a very strong and serious stance around education where we should not really uh, disrupt the education. And then there has also uh, been a problem for young people who are displaced who are, um, there is a gap that they find with the new cultures, like when they go out, there is a new culture. So there has been a very big issue around adaptation and reintegration for them. So how are we going to look all those uh, problems that young people are facing? And more largely, what we also need to see is that the mental health of young people are really, really uh, not just disturbed, but they are having like uh, PTSD, the post-traumatic stress disorder. We have anxiety. Even myself, I'm going through that. So uh, if we are, if our our minds are not healthy, obviously uh, there are many things that are not going to be healthy. So I mean, these are some of the immediate things which we need to see while people are talking about relief, which is really important. But we also need to look at relief of education. We need to look at relief in terms of psychosocial support uh, of 
young people and obviously for this uh, i think the community can't do it alone the government and the community need to come together and do it because uh, let's forget about what politics is going on but what we really need to know is that behind all the politics behind all what the mayhem that is happening uh, politics will go on but what is really important is that our life needs to be secure it needs to be protected and then we cannot lose the assets that we have and for me the greatest assets we have for now in this country is young people like me uh, who are really really uh, believing in certain the uh, things where uh, we believe that what we can contribute to the country to the nation state is something which is enormous so if we are missing this out we are going to miss uh, miss not just uh, an opportunity but a possibility of the future so that is something which i would like to add and that's that's why i call upon our government both center and state to really immediately look and expedite me- measures where uh, even uh, the cookie so uh, communities and the metic communities especially young people who are studying are not really really disturbed in terms of or disruption of their education so that is my greatest concern and which i would like to add So now India has been producing a podcast called Dispatches from Manipur in which independent reporter Grishma Kutar has been reporting on the violence in Manipur on a regular basis please do check out that podcast for more coverage on Manipur